Welcome to the podcast of the Unitarian Universalist Area Church at First Parish in Sherborne. No matter who you are, who you love, we welcome you into our community of religious seekers. Please join us for our Sunday worship services each week at 10.30 a.m. More information can be found on our website at uuac.org or visit our Facebook page at Sherborne Unitarian Universalist. Enjoy the sermon. Our reading this morning will be shared by Alan Cantor, Worship Associate. Alan. Our reading this morning is from Untamed by Glennon Doyle. I have learned to live by faith, which does not mean that I live by a set of unwavering beliefs or dogma that men laid down ages ago to keep their power by controlling others. My faith has nothing to do with religion anymore. To me, living by faith is allowing the swelling and pressing inside me to direct my outward words and decisions. Because to me, God is not a being outside of me. God is the fire, the nudge, the warm liquid fold swelling and pressing inside me. In fact, my favorite idea of faith is a belief in the unseen order of things. There are two orders of things. There is the seen order unfolding in front of us every day on our streets and in the news. In this visible order, violence reigns and children are shot in their schools and warmongers prosper and 1% of the world towards half of all we have. We call this order of things reality. This is, quote unquote, the way things are. It's all we can see because it's all we have ever seen. Yet something inside me, inside of us rejects it. We know instinctively, this is not the intended order of things. This is not how things are meant to be. We know that there is a better, truer, wilder way. That better way is the unseen order inside us. It is the vision we carry in our imagination about a truer, more beautiful world, one in which all children have enough to eat and we no longer kill each other and mothers do not have to cross deserts with their babies on their backs. This better idea is what Jews call Shalom, Buddhists call Nirvana, Christians call heaven, Muslims call Salaam, and many agnostics call peace. It is not a place out there, not yet. It's the hopeful swelling in here, pressing through our skin, insisting that it was all meant to be more beautiful than this. And it can be if we refuse to wait to die and quote unquote, go to heaven and instead find heaven inside us and give birth to it here and now. If we work to make the vision of the unseen order swelling inside of us, visible in our lives, homes, and nations, we will make reality more beautiful on earth as it is in heaven, in our material world as it is in our imagination. 
So I have an exceptionally well-developed capacity to imagine the worst case scenarios and a limited capacity to imagine the best. Are any of you like me in this way? I'm seeing some nods and some hands. Well, a friend with whom I share this special, special trait of imagination tells this story. A few years, for the first several years in her job, about once a year, she would get a sealed letter in her workplace mailbox with confidential stamped across it in big screaming capital red letters and her name handwritten in her supervisor's handwriting on the front. And she would feel a knot in the pit of her stomach, sure that she was being fired or disciplined or that it was a warning for poor performance. And she would take her envelope, walk up to her office trembling. Tears would be welling up in her eyes before she would get to the privacy of her office. And there with shaking hands, she would open the envelope only to find a letter of confirmation of her annual raise. It took me four years of this happening every year before I stopped imagining the worst, she said, four years. And I think back to when I was a child, when imagination was mostly a tool of joy, when I could make any world, any life possible. When did my imagination switch as a child from imagining beautiful worlds to imagining terrible ones? And when did I decide that imagination itself was childish rather than liberating? I once used this capacity for imagination to spin stories of adventurers and fairy tales, of sisters taking on the world, of desert islands and houses in the woods, strong and beautiful and confident and brave stories. And now I mostly use this capacity of imagination to spin out the worst case scenarios of things that could go wrong, of potential disappointments, of future pain that I have no actual information to back up. Sometimes I think that this co-opting of the tool of imagination to only use it for imagining worst case scenarios causes me to keep my dreams small, to shoot down my own dreams for my life or for the world before they can even take root. And I shoot them down with words like practical and real life and what will other people think? And realistic and money and we've tried that before and the list goes on. And there is for me a way, a way in which this is rooted in fear but also in the indoctrination into a world that tells us that how it is now is how it will always be. Theologian Walter Brueggemann says, imagination is a danger. Thus, every totalitarian regime is frightened of the artist. It is the vocation of the prophet to keep alive the ministry of imagination, to keep on conjuring and proposing alternate futures to the single one the king wants to urge us as the only thinkable one. To keep on conjuring up and proposing alternative futures for our own lives and for the world is not a childish act. It is a prophetic one. It says this world that we've been handed, this broken and hurting world, 
it doesn't have to be like this. I can imagine better for us. I can imagine that we can build it. Writer Glennon Doyle, who is the author of this morning's reading, says that we are born speaking the language of imagination. She says, we are all bilingual. We speak the language of indoctrination, but our first language is the language of imagination. When we use the language of indoctrination with its should and shouldn't, right and wrong, good and bad, we are activating our minds. But that's not what we're going for here because our minds are polluted by our training. And in order to get beyond our training, we need to activate our imagination. Our minds are excuse makers. Our imaginations are storytellers. So instead of asking ourselves what's right or wrong, we must instead ask ourselves, what is true and beautiful? What is true and beautiful? I love this question. And while I don't believe that there is one singular path for each of us, I believe that there are many paths for our lives that can be true and beautiful. I do think this question causes us to pause and consider what is aligned for, with my values? What is meaningful? What is connected? Glennon Doyle's readers often write to her and ask her for advice. And she often writes back something along the lines of what is the most true and beautiful story you can imagine for yourself? She tells the story of a young mother who is parenting a seven-year-old dying of a terminal illness. The parent asks her, Glennon, this is so awful. What should I do? And she asked this parent, what is the truest, most beautiful story you could imagine about a mother and a son in this situation? And the mother wrote back and said, you know, this is heartbreaking and terrible. I would not wish this on anyone. But the love I have for my child, the way I'm caring for him through this, is the most true and beautiful story about parenthood I could possibly imagine. And Glennon says, the truest, most beautiful life never promises to be an easy one. We need to let go of the lie that it is supposed to be. And I think this is such an important question, friends, not because it is a question of whether it is easy, because it is, but instead because it is a question of whether or not our lives are aligned with our values and full of meaning and connection. And so it is worth considering in any moment, what is the most true and beautiful story you could imagine about partnership? What is the most true and beautiful story you could imagine about parenting? What is the most true and beautiful story you could imagine about your work? What is the most true and beautiful story you could imagine about living through a global pandemic? What is the most true and beautiful story you could imagine about your relationship with yourself? What is the most true and beautiful story you could imagine about the community in which you live? Are you living these stories? These are not pipe dreams, Glennon Doyle says. These are our marching orders. These are the blueprints for our lives, our family, and our world. 
Because as Gloria Steinem offered us, dreaming after all is a form of planning. Now, I don't believe that the energy that we put out into the universe will come back to us in any sort of manifest way. And I don't believe that just because we dream something means that it will necessarily come to pass. But I do believe that when I imagine my worst case scenarios, when I keep my dreams small because of my imagination, that you, my indoctrination, when I use words like should or realistic or can't, I make choices for my actions, for my relationships and the shape of my life from a place of fear and limitation. And then in turn, I start to shape my relationships and my life from that place of fear, of smallness, of anxiety. And conversely, I have noticed that when I imagine the best case scenario, when I imagine my life as more expansive, when I live from my imagination with words like could or what if, or in my most ideal circumstances, I make choices for my actions, my relationships and the shape of my life from a place of hope and courage. And then in turn, I start to shape my relationships and my life from that place of possibility and hope and courage. My friends, in this time when it seems that the world has broken open, when normal seems like a distant memory, these cracks allow us some possibility to imagine a different what life, a different world, a different future. And remembering, of course, that we cannot change some things, the pandemic, systemic racism, illness, death, but that we can impact far more than we are taught to believe. Let me say that again. We can impact far more than we are taught to believe. And even with the constraints of reality, we can always seek to live lives of more beauty, alignment, meaning, and connection. And so I find myself asking, what is the most truest what is the truest, most beautiful story you could imagine about your life? What would you do if you believed this story? What are the blueprints that, in, that this story instructs you to do? And what is one thing, one small thing that you can do to take a step in this direction? And what is the next thing? And the next thing after that? And the next thing after that? My friends, may we imagine a better world, a story of truth and beauty for our communities, for our families, and for ourselves. And beloved, may our dreams become our plans. May it be so, and amen. <laughs>